0: bottom of Khape's Amadez, two lines from the bottom, twenty two B. Tanara we learned in If someone is in the middle of davening, Shmon right? The and water starts spurting onto his knees, right? What type of water are we talking about? We're talking about this guy all of a sudden just starts urinating on himself. South wow. Wild. Oh okay left or right. Where are you going? In my thing. I think someone's I'm not on here. mute here. Thanks. Okay. So okay, so he's in the middle of davening, and all of a sudden he starts urinating on himself. So here's the halacha. He should stop saying anything until the water ceases coming out from his organ. And then he goes back and he returns and starts davening again. How far back does he go? So a one of them says, "You go back all the way to the beginning of start davening all over again." One of them says, "Go back to exactly where you had been, go back to exactly where you were on, go back to exactly where you had gotten up to before you had to stop because you had started urinating." The Gemara suggests perhaps they're arguing about this. One of these Amarayan believes, "Im ligmar eskula." If you have paused and waited enough time that you would have been, it would have been able for you to actually finish the entire Shemona Esrei, then Chose Roche. If you stop in middle Shemona Esrei and have a pause that is long enough for you to finish the entire Shemona Esrei, then that is a pause that is going to completely kill the Shemona Esrei. You're going to have to start all over. Umar Saver, the other one holds, Lamakam Shapasak. So the one who says that you just go back to the place where you had gotten up to holds that that even if, you do, even if you did stop for a long enough time period to have to do the entire Shman S-ray, you're still allowed to go back to the original place that does not create a fatal flaw, as Rabbi Feldman would say, and you're still able to go back and, and just continue from where you had gotten up to. I'm going to have Ravashi says like this, I don't like this answer, because the way you're explaining it, the Mishnah should have been more explicit about, the, sorry, the B'rishnah should have been more explicit. This is what they're arguing about. It should have said, Imshaha, we should have just said explicitly, are we talking about a case where he waited or a case where he didn't wait? And just say we're talking about a case where he waited, and that's where the Makhligas came up. That's where the dispute arises. So must be, everybody agrees, if you waited enough time for the urine to stop coming out, you would have been able to dab on the entire Shimon Esrei. Sorry, Slavic that you came in the middle. So if you waited long enough for that to happen, everybody agrees you have to go back to the beginning of Shimon Esrei. There's no dispute about that. We're talking about a case where indeed he did not wait long enough for, for him to have davening the entire Shemun Esrei. One of these, Manda Amr, say, you know why he has to go back to the beginning of davening? There's someone who is in the middle of Shemun Esrei and ends up urinating in the middle of Shmanesre. Clearly, he really had to go to the bathroom before he started Shemun Esrei. If you're in that position, you really have to go to the bathroom before you damage. Esrei. You're not actually allowed to damage, Esrei, and your tevila is not a good Esrei. So that's what one of them says. Whereas the other one says, no, that's not true. <clears throat> Even though he had to go to the bathroom, he's still considered someone who can damage when necessary, as long as it's urination and not deprecation. Because if someone has to defecate before they go to the bathroom, before they damage when necessary, then that's over. That's, that doesn't work at all. We learned in a and this, in the cover, if somebody has to go to the bathroom, then he cannot dab it. If he does daven, his tvila is an abomination. Hashem does not accept his tvila. So some, some say that Rev say says. When do we say that this tvila is an abomination where you do not have the ability to hold yourself back at all? In other words, what ends up happening is the guy goes to the bathroom when he finishes the diving from an takes up his tefillin and he goes to the bathroom. But was he like, holding himself back and there was a little, an urge already? If so, then it's a lesser Teva. If he was holding himself back, but he was able to hold himself back for a little bit longer, but he ended up going to the bathroom right after he's then after the fact, that still works. But everybody agrees that if you literally couldn't hold yourself back at all and the second you finish from Esra, you run to the bathroom, that tefillah is not a good tefillah and you have to dive in again. Now, how long is that time period that you have to be able to hold you would be able to hold it in that you could then consider that the Shmona Esther was a good Shmona Esther, right? So Shesha says, Ad parsa. it has to be the amount of time that it takes to walk a Parsa, which I think is 18 minutes, but I'm not sure. Let me see if says. Actually does not say what a Parsa is. What was it? 72 minutes. That's a very long time. Wow. Okay, 72 minutes. Some people say the same statement, but instead of saying it as an independent discussion, they actually append it to the braisa. So they say like this: When is it that you are permitted to, when is it that the Shemun is going to be an abomination? When you're not able to hold yourself back at all, when you finish, and as soon as you finish, you go to the bathroom, or at least within 72 minutes. If you are able to hold it in, then it is a good. Your after the fact is a good Shmon Bad comma. Up until, how, <coughs> up until how far afterwards will it still be not a problem? Um, up until 72 minutes afterwards, if you were able to hold yourself back for 72 minutes, then it would be a good shmanesere. Just to, so. Okay, so just to speak this out. When we talk about this, it doesn't mean to say that you cannot go to the bathroom within 72 minutes after Shmon The question is, right, the question is, did you feel during the that there was no way you can go more than 72 minutes? Because sometimes someone has to go to the bathroom, but like, okay, fine. I can go in an hour, go in two hours. You don't have to go right this minute, right? If you know that there is no way you would not last more than 72 minutes, yeah. Then that is the DF, but it does not count. Yeah, and this comes up, guys. (laughs) This this does come up. Um, But that's why we're gonna see that. The Gemara really said this twice earlier. In in Brachas, we discussed the idea that someone who wants to be a Ben Olam Haba, someone who wants to go, you know, good deeds happen to him is someone who goes to the bathroom before he daven. Because if you go to the bathroom before he daven, you don't have any of these concerns. And the Gemara now is gonna Um Omar Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmani. Omar Rabbi Enesan Rabbi Shmuel Bar says the name of Rabbi Enesan on the one who needs to go to the bathroom he should not daven why Mishem Shenemar because it says Likpas Yisrael prepare to to greet your your God Yisrael prepare to greet your God and wait to prepare to greet Hashem when do we speak to Hashem when do we greet Hashem when we die so how do we greet Hashem before we greet Him we should prepare ourselves by going to the bathroom and making sure that we are in proper State of mind. What does this mean in It says to safeguard your steps, right, when you're walking to the house of Hashem. So watch yourself so that you don't end up doing a sin. And if you do a sin, then you should bring a carbon, the fundai, in front of Hashem, bring a carbon. And you'll be close to here. Rava. Rava says, Have You should be close to listen to the words of the wise men. Because they, the wise people, if they do a sin, immediately they bring a carbon, they bring an offering. Now, not only do they bring an offering, but tshuva. they also repent, right? Because the important point over here is whenever you bring an offering, we're going to see in a minute, if you bring an offering and you don't do tshuva, the offering doesn't do anything at all. So the point is to bring a carbon and also do tshuva. So, meet this haksilim, However, do not be like the wicked, not the wicked people, sorry, like the foolish people who bring a carbon and it doesn't really, it doesn't, it doesn't really accomplish anything at all because they bring a carbon but they don't do tshuva, they don't repent and if they don't repent then it does not end up accomplishing its purpose. Now, the, the, the continuation is, they don't know to do bad. So the Gemara says, what do you mean, they don't know to do bad? That actually sounds like a very good thing. If they're, we don't call them fools because they don't know even how to do bad. That's not fools, that's good people. <laughs> they're not fools, they're good people. <laughs> Don't be like the people. They bring a carbon, and they know they're supposed to bring a carbon. They know that there was a command to bring a carbon. But they don't realize, is this the type of carbon that I'm bringing? called a carbon toda, a Thanksgiving offering. Is it a shlomim? Is it a peace offering? Is it an offering that I'm offering to Hashem because I did an Avera? Right? They don't even understand that distinction, so they don't do tshuva, Right. If you understand the distinction, you say to yourself, listen, uh, the, poor, the purpose of bringing the type of carbon that you bring for a sin offering is only, is only a purpose to that because it's supposed to help bring you to the state of mind that I did something wrong and I'm doing tshuva now. But if you don't realize that and you think that the carbon itself is what accomplishes its goal, it, the equivalent of thinking that you're supposed to be bringing a Todah, a Thanksgiving offering, that's exactly the same thing then, because there's no, no difference at all. So don't be like those fools who don't, don't recognize that difference. They can't even differentiate between good and bad, and they're bringing a carbon in front of me, an offering in front of me, that's not going to accomplish anything. They understand that, what does it mean, don't be like fools? It means, watch your, safeguard your your, um, your intestines, I guess. At the time that you were standing in front of me, make sure that you are clean. If you're going into a to a bathroom, you take off your tefillin four amas away from the bathroom. And then you go into the bathroom. Just to, to explain, the bathrooms that they're talking about in those days were permanent bathrooms. At this point, we're talking about a permanent bathroom in which there is stuff all over the place, right? So this is not the bathroom that we have today in which there's a, you know, a sewer, there's a plumbing, it's getting far away from you. So we, bathrooms that we walk in today are not the same thing. There's no halacha today that you have to take up your and four hours away from a bathroom, right? If you were going to a porta potty then maybe that would be the halacha. Amar Bar Amar of said in the name of This is only true when you're going to a a already established bathroom. In other words, there's already fecal matter in that place. Then you have to take up your tefillin before you get close to that bathroom. I will basically say, right, But if you're going to some more of a temporary bathroom, that perhaps there's no fecal matter there at all, then the nifna out there. Then you could take up your tefillin immediately prior to walking in, because that's okay then, because there is no fecal matter there when you walk in. However, when you walk out, now you've already gone to the bathroom there, so now there is fecal matter there. So then, then you have to walk four amas away before you put the tefillin back on. Because through going to the bathroom there, you've now just changed the status from being a temporary bathroom to a permanent bathroom. More asks a question Is a person allowed to wear their twilin into a permanent bathroom for the purposes of urinating? By the way, for talis, technically one is allowed to. Right? The, is we, the custom is we don't wear our talis in. If we, the custom is, Shulchan Archa says that you're allowed to wear a talis in the bathroom if you're urinating. You're not allowed to wear it in if you're actually going to the bathroom defecating. But the custom is that we don't even do that. Because technically we are actually allowed to wear it in for urinating, you don't make a bracha when you put your talis back on after going to the bathroom. Okay. Since is also not. Yeah. No, no, you don't take it off. No, no, no. So, yeah, I'm, saying, I'm sure you don't make another bracha. But for tefillin, since you actually do have to take your tefillin off before you go to the bathroom, then if you have to put your tefillin back on, you actually do make a bracha again. Okay. <coughs> so, Umar is asking, what's the halacha? If you're going into this bathroom, you're going into the permanent bathroom to, to urinate, are you allowed to wear your tefillin or not? Ravina Shari, Ravina says, yeah, you're allowed to wear your tefillin. And says, Asr, he says, you're not permitted to wear your tefillin. Asr, sheilu alu they went and asked Rava, what's the halacha? Amalhu, Asr. He says, it is forbidden to wear your tefillin, why? The reason why it's forbidden is not because it's really anything disrespectful to be urinating with your telon on, but rather because while you're urinating with your telon on, you might forget that you're wearing your telon and you might end up actually defecating and defecating would be forbidden to do. And other people say, that perhaps you will pass gas while you're urinating. And passing gas, wearing tillin is also considered disrespectful. And that's a different reason why you wouldn't be permitted to wear it. But according to either of these opinions, what we're really saying is that on some level it really would be okay. But out of a concern that perhaps something else will happen, the rabbi said it is forbidden to do so. And that's why we don't wear tillin into the bathroom at all. Someone goes into a permanent bathroom, an established bathroom, takes up his tefillin four hours away. And puts them into the window that is close to Rosh Hashanah on the side that is closer to Rosh Hashanah There's some sort of system over there where they had these holes in the in the structure. And some of the holes were closer to the public domain. Some of the holes were closer to the inside of the bathroom. So the the price right now is saying that you should put it on the side that's closer to the Rosh Hashanah not on the side that's closer to the bathroom. And you should go into the bathroom. When you go out of the bathroom, walk four away, and put it back on. That's the beginning of the he says, says, you should actually take the tefillin, wrap them up and hold them in your hands and then walk into the bathroom. Do not leave them in the outside of the bathroom wall facing the public domain. He says, you should hold on to them in your baguette, actually wrap them in your baguette and then hold on to them and then walk into the bathroom. he have to say that you should just leave them in the baguette Are you walking? in and you have them sort of wrapped up in your jacket pocket or wrapped up in some fabric in your jacket. And what's going to end up happening is you might actually just drop them, right? Maybe you'll just let go of them a little bit, enoughly, and then they'll end up falling down on the ground. So it can't be that you just walk in and just wrap them in your garment a little bit. So Rehkiva's opinion was, you shouldn't. You, of course, you should hold on to it too, but he was just saying you also should try to cover it with your clothing so that it's not as disrespectful for the for the And you go in. And according to this opinion, you actually should stick them into the, into the holes that are closer to the, on the base of Kisei, on the bathroom side. However, you should not place them in the holes that are closer to the public domain. Why? Maybe someone who's passing by will end up just grabbing these villains and they'll end up causing a suspicion. Right? What's the suspicion? What are we talking about? The, the language of suspicion normally is referring to some sort of suspicion that the person as engaged in, in a forbidden relationship, right? right? So here's the story that the Gemara tells us. And because of this one story, Chazal said that now on, no more putting your tefillin on the outside part of the wall. What's the story? There's a story with one student. He put his tefillin in the wall on a part that's closer to her. It's some sort of hole. And some sort of prostitute comes. And she grabs them. and She takes them. She comes to the base of Mejush. And she tells the people in the base of Madrash, look what this guy gave me as payment for sleeping with me. He gave me a tefillin. He went to Shama when he heard this, he heard this story. Although the guy, he walked up to the roof but not fell the base, and he died. He threw himself off the roof and killed himself because of the embarrassment involved with this, even though he never done anything wrong. At that point, at that point, they said, you know, from now on, no more leaving it in the outside wall. You have to put it in. Most Taikanas Chachamim most of the enactments are not exactly this, where you can actually trace it back to a specific story outlier case that probably doesn't happen that often, and yet still they made it, Normally, that's not when they make it. But occasionally there are stories like this that they do actually make an effect on, that are you know, directly related to one specific case, that one person died, one out of a 10,000 of them, probably never happened before, and probably would have never happened again, but they still can make that effect on. What do you mean? I mean, no one said that he was innocent. He was they have that and so you're suggesting that perhaps they made the rule to make people think that he was really innocent? Um, no, I'm saying they're they're missing part of the story. Maybe it was obvious to them that he was innocent. I think they thought that a guy. I think I think most most people. I think most people would not give a prostitute to fill in for payment, but I don't know. Your mileage may vary. Okay. <laughs> As an embarrassment. Listen, I'm not saying that I would jump up the roof. <laughs> this guy clearly felt that that would be too embarrassing. I don't know. Maybe he thought people would suspect. I don't know. That's a good question. We weren't there. It's hard to know. We learned in a raisa. Initially, they would put the toilet in the place that is closer to the bathroom. And then these mice. Mice were often found in bathrooms, right? Bathrooms are not a very sanitary place, but the mice were found in there. And they would actually take your toilet off of the this like little, um, uh, like little hole in the wall, they would grab it off the hole in the wall and take it with them. So then at a later point, they said, don't put it in the basic itself, put it in the outside. Then we have this next story. So there was three levels of exactly what the proper way to do things was. And in the end, we go with Vesela's opinion, sorry, Kiva's opinion of what the later opinion is that you should bring it in to the basakise covered in a garment holding onto it with your hands. Is you should roll it up like a safer, Roll it up as if it's, you know, like, um, like a sefer Torah that gets rolled up totally. You know, the, the um, straps. Hold on to it in your right hand, next to your And make sure that the ritzua, that the, the strap coming out of it, does not come at past your hand, more than four inches past your hand. So then I guess it's more likely to get dirty. Yaakov said in the name of Reb this whole halacha that you should keep it in your right hand, ready to go, is talking about a case where you actually would still have time to put it back on when you leave the So Then you're supposed to keep it in your right hand because then we don't want to make you put it back in the bag, wrapped up totally in the bag, and then put it back on later. That we're not going to make you do. So we'll so say you're allowed to actually just keep it in your right hand. If you're not planning on putting it back on again, after you leave the base say anyways, then, then you should put it into its own bag. Because then if you're done with it anyways, do the thing that's the most respectful thing. For it. Now, the Gemara says that what should you do? Put it into a bag that is actually one tafah, Right? What's this idea of being one tafach? So, the idea is like this. The idea is that if it's one tafach, then it's considered to be a a, a, a significant enough thing that it will be considered to be a divider between the tefillin and, and the room in which it's in, right? So we have this halacha that we have Tashmish Kidushi something which is used for holy things. It should not be in a room that is being used for disrespectful to that object, right? So the idea is it should be in something which is a significant cover. If it's a significant cover. And the item which is covering the item that is holy will then be considered to be a separation. If the item itself is not significant, then what we might say is, since the item is not significant, it becomes a subordinate to the actual Holy item, and then the holy item is considered as if it's in the room without anything covering it, and then we're back into disrespectful category. So, so, different levels, you know, like, like, like you're saying, at some point we said, yeah, it's, it's okay, not the greatest thing, but because you're going to put them back on again, anyways, we'll allow you to do that. But if we're going to say put it away for the first, for the final time, for the night, then ideally you want you to put it away in the best possible way. Right? Yeah, you're right saying it was, it was a question of degrees and, and balancing things out. In the daytime, if you're going into, into the Bais then you would roll it up like a safer. And at night, you would put it into a kiss, which is one pocket or some sort of bag, which is one tapach, and then you would put it down. And then you would put it down. So Tobias says like this, he, he makes a qualifier to this whole statement. He says like this, that which it's a problem when you put it into a cleave, into a vessel which is less than a tefach, that's only true if it is the vessel that is normally used for this item. So if it's a vessel which is normally used to the item, then it becomes subordinate if it's less than a tefach. But if it's a vessel which is, and therefore until it becomes a tefach, it's subordinate to that item. But if it's a vessel which is not normally used, then even if it's less than a tefach, it's not subordinate to that item, and it will be a block, and it will no longer be disrespectful to have it in that bag when you go into the basic say what that? you say? Okay. Why is it why, tafakh? Why, why, uh, so I think the, the way it works is like this. That, that, that I guess, is unclear, but to, to define, you're saying that tafakh defines something as being significant. Another point that we have to explain is that when something is generally used, to, say, the purpose of this item is as a cover for, for whatever item it's covering, and we look at that item as being somewhat subordinate, somewhat tuffle to the item which is covering. So in that case, it needs to be a title. It needs to have some sort of significance in its own shape, in its, own, its own, um, by its own. Or else it's not enough. But if it's something which is significant, it doesn't need to be significant because it's not solely being used to cover that item. It's used for other purposes too, and you happen to be using it for that today, right? So like the similar thing would be like a, a mezuzah, right? So it works with the mezuzah is the mezuzah case, right? The one small mezuzah case is not really enough because the the plastic that's around that mezuzah case might not be enough by itself because the pla- there's something plastic around it, but it's still considered that this thing shouldn't be done in that room because that plastic that's covering it is specifically used just for that, just to put it into a case, which is, let's say, a non-clear case, or put it outside the room. There, there are things that we do to make sure that we don't have this issue. But technically, it's being covered, so why isn't that enough? Well, it's not one tafakh, and its only purpose is to cover that film thing, Right? I'm sorry, the mezuzah thing in that case, yeah. Hey, Dal, bring your proof. That when it's something that is its actual, it's not its actual purpose is to cover this thing and you're using it for that ad hoc on an ad hoc basis, then we find pachin mm-hmm. kitanu, small vessels, maxilin Allah is like this. If, the, if there's a dead body in a OL in a tent, it imparts impurity to everything within that tent. However, if you have a sealed bottle, right, a sealed vessel that is less than a tafak, it's a very small sealed vessel, but if it's a sealed vessel, it will protect whatever's inside it. But only it would only protect whatever's inside it if it's something that is not normally inside it. If it's smaller than a tefach, so the Gemara saying. We see from here that something which is less than a tefach could afford protection. Rava Bar Bachana, Yavi Azlin and Passer Rav tells us a story. I was one time walking behind Rav Yechanun. Yavi B'el Me'ala basically he had to go to the bathroom. Yavi Nakid Sephar Degad. Then he was holding onto a book of a Gad, book of, of stories about um, about Pamudik, passing down stories. Avi Yovlan, he gave it to us. Yavi Nakid Tzvulin. When he was holding on to the villain, he didn't give it to us. Omar, He said, so basically they asked him, you gave us the book, why don't you give us the twin too? Hail Asharanhu Rabbanan. Once the rabbi said it admitted to go into the bathroom holding on to his felon, it, it then offers me a Shmira, it offers me some sort of a watching over what might happen to me in the bathroom. So we understand that a bathroom is a place where the Mazikan were founded. He shade him. The, the demons were more likely to be found in the bathroom, so therefore he wanted to go into the bathroom holding on to the twelve so the demons won't be able to attack him. Amar um, Rava, Rava says Gav is Nachman, Rava is coming as a later on and saying a story with Ibn Nachman, he was walking behind Ibn Nachman. for the god that he was holding on to it. Is a very similar story. He's holding on to this book. have blan, he gave it to me. Because <coughs> he was about to go to the bathroom. Yehav, not the villain, he took his Lo and he, and he just took it right with him, did not give it to me. since the rabbis permitted me to use it, and I and wanted it to work for me as a Shmira. We learned it in You are not hold on to your t'villin in your hand, the Sefer is right and the Sefer Torah right in the right hand, is Isfal, and Dab. You're not supposed to be holding things in your hands when you dab Why are you supposed to hold things in your hands when you're dabbing? We're talking about Shimon specifically here. The reason is because it can be distracting, because you think it's going to fall on the floor, and then you end up getting distracted by that. And it's going to affect your concentration for t-lay. So you're not supposed to hold anything in your hands. The only thing you're supposed to hold in your hands when you're Esra is a siddur, right? That's the only thing you're supposed to hold on in your Or what? An electronic oh, okay. version, yeah, that works also, yeah. But that could be the only thing that you should hold in your hand during dominant. That's a good point. I, I don't know if you guys could hear that, but but the, we were just talking about what else what else you could have in your in your hands. Are you allowed have an electronics, sitter or not, and whether or not that's something we should be more concerned about dropping. Okay, so like, the a man or a woman? A man's. Man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is getting a little bit off topic. Yeah, I said that's not okay. No, really not okay. If, if you have a kid who is like crying away, like just stop davening, stop davening until they. I didn't say to walk out, but try to get them to calm down without. You can't daven with the kid. You have a nuket Okay, we went back a little bit. A person should not hold on to his tilling in his hands or a sifra in his right hand. These fall and damage the and he should not urinate in them. And he should not go to sleep in tefillin, in neither a dozing off type of sleep, nor a permanent type of sleep. Now, the Gemara is going to assume like this. When it said, it means to say, not that he shouldn't urinate while wearing Tillin, it means he shouldn't urinate in a temporary bathhouse. That's what the Gemara is assuming right now. So let's, let's, we'll get into that conversation right now. Shmuel adds a little bit to another point. Not just tefillin, so to a knife, so to money, so to a bowl, so to a loaf of bread. You can't do any, can't hold any of these things while you're adapting. So basically everything. You can't hold anything except for siddha while you're adapting. I'm Rabba, I'm Rab says in the less nisa Yamasnisa. halacha does not follow this price Why? The this price that tells us you cannot urinate when you are wearing your thillin has to be the opinion of Bishamah. Why? The base because it was the opinion base Hash the right? base kabua, shari base Base said like this. Base said earlier that you're even permitted to go into a base kabua, a base kise where people actually go to the bathroom, they defecate. There's fecal matter. there. basically there's two different types of base kise. There's a permanent base kise which people use to sit down in, and therefore there's fecal matter there. And then there's a temporary base kise which is more like a wall that someone, a little corner where someone is using to urinate, right? So they're not actually sitting down; they're standing up. So. Basil said earlier that even to go into a place where there is fecal matter, it is permitted to do so with tefillin, right? So of course he would say that it's permitted to urinate with tefillin in a temporary, in a more temporary type of basic, you say. So this must be the opinion of Beshama. who said that you're not permitted to take your tefillin in the first place. And you have to leave it outside. So perhaps he also says you're not permitted to urinate in your tefillin. But we don't care about that because we don't pass in like Beshama. Beshama, we asked a question. <coughs> It also says in the Raisa, there are things which I permitted you to do here and I forbade you to do there. My lab, what is this talking about? It must be talking about tefillin. It must be saying like this that according to base hill, for some reason, one is permitted to wear tefillin into a, or at least to carry tefillin into a base kise into a permanent base kise, but they're not permitted to bring the tefillin into a base kise arai, into a temporary base kise, temporary bathroom. Now, I am a if we say it's the opinion of it's a basically say, right. Then it makes sense to say that Beshtil has a situation in which he permits one to wear a felon in into a bathroom. Which type of situation? A permanent bathroom. He permits you to wear a in. So it makes sense to say, but he who permits you to do it in one place forbade you to do it in another place. Besham never permitted it at all. If we say it's the opinion of Besham, he never permitted you to wear a felon in into any type of bathroom. So therefore, this must be the opinion of a that one cannot urinate in a temporary bath with tefillin on. Ki <laughs> tanya, oh, sorry, not with tefillin on, with tefillin with, um, with in your hand. Right, now, with filling on. Sorry. Ki tanya, ahi tapach in the So everyone wants to say no. Maybe that later part of the vice that talks about something that I permitted you to do here, I forbade you to do there, and vice versa. But that's talking about something else. That's talking about the law of how much one is allowed to bear when they're going to the bathroom. So there actually are laws about how, are you, when you go to the bathroom, are you allowed to be completely disregard any, any level of, of modesty at all. No, there actually are is regarding this. And Allah is like this. Alechah is that we're going to read right now. The Netanyi Chada, we learned in a b'raise. issue if someone is defakini, megal ala of tefach, they're allowed to uncover one tefach <inaudible> behind them from the robe, of <inaudible> and in front of them, they're allowed to uncover two The Tanya Idah and another <Bible> tells us, <inaudible> behind themselves, they're allowed to uncover one tefach, <inaudible> in front of themselves, they're not allowed to uncover anything versus what's going on over here. My lab, it must, what was it not? EDV, EDV, both of these prices are talking about where there's a man going to the bathroom. Below cash, one of them is talking about to go to the bathroom. Man, the word means to defecate. the means to urinate. So if someone is going to the bathroom and they are defecating, they don't need to uncover their front at all. They only need to uncover their back while they sit down. If someone is actually urinating, they actually need to do both. Sorry, other way around. If someone's urinating, they only need to, if someone is <laughs> urinating, they only need to uncover the front, but not the back. If someone is defecating, they need to uncover the front and the back. It's bro. I'll explain. If someone is urinating, why do they need to uncover their back at all? It must be that both of them are talking about to go to the bathroom, they're defecating. So the says, no, we're talking about it here is like this. One price is talking about a man, one price is talking about a woman. A woman does not need to uncover her front ever. For the, neither for, for nor for G'daylum. But a man, depending on what he's doing, he might need to uncover the front or the front and the back. If so, this. In the Brisa, the, the person who said this halacha also explained that technically there is a halacha that one would be able to ask in my position. That would be a tremendously strong halacha that would not have any, any way that I could answer the halacha. But the halacha still follows what I'm saying, and we could ignore that halacha. Now, the Gemara is insane. If you're right, that the two different prices, one of them is talking about a man going to the bathroom, one of them is talking about a woman going to the bathroom. then what is, what's the Kavachalmer over here? Right? So let's go back for a second. The Gomeran's understanding right now, this is all the opinion of Bishel. Hill said earlier that if you're going into a permanent bathroom where there's fecal matter, you're permitted to go in holding on to your tilling. But yet, we also said that you're not permitted to do so in a case of where it's a temporary bathroom, right? So then I understand what a Kavachalmer would be. Right, the Kavachomer beat, One second, if you're even permitted to take your tefillin into a permanent bathroom, that's a higher level of disrespect for the tefillin because there's a fecal matter there. For sure, you should be permitted to take your tefillin into a, into a bathroom that's only used for urinating because that's even a lower level of kedusha, a lower level of of or impurity there. So of course, that should be permitted. So that makes sense with the homer beat. But right now, what you said is the difference is one case we're talking about where a man is going to the bathroom, one case talking about where a woman's going to the bathroom. What does that have to do with anything? It's just a question of, of Matias, as we say. It's just a question of physical reality. Does a man need to uncover as much as a woman? A man, needs to uncover more, I'm sorry, a man needs to uncover more than a woman to go to the bathroom. A woman, they're both in a similar place, so they only need to uncover one specific area. But a man needs to uncover two, two separate areas because they're not in the same place. So what would be the Kavachomer? My Inal of Tshuva, what would be the Kavachomer that does not have any answer for it? Darker than milsa This is the way things happen, and what do you want me to do? This is life. Ella lav tfilin. So must be talking about the two different cases are both cases of tfilin. And one is Rava, I'm sorry, one is Beis Hillel talking about wearing tefillin into a, carrying the tefillin with him into a isekua, into a permanent Beis One is talking about Bais Hillel saying that you're not permitted, however, to take the tefillin into a temporary Beis And technically, that should really be a very strong question. What's the difference? Why would you be permitted to take it into a place with more tuma and not into a place with less. Tuma? And this would be a we have, we have definitively refuted the opinion of Rava, in the name of Rav Sheshes, we call Malcolm Kasha. No matter what, at the end of the day, it's still going to be strange, right? Now the Gemara is trying to analyze this point a little further. Hashda beisaqise kibua shari beisaqiseir right legals. Okay, if we even permitted someone to carry their stone with them into a permanent beisaqise, indeed, why is it forbidden to carry it with you into a temporary beisaqise? <laughs> How This is what we say. Beisaqise kibua the lack in shari beisaqiseir right the lack asri. You go into a permanent place, you're you're sitting down. So if you're sitting down and you're urinating while you're sitting down and defecating at the same time, nothing is flying all over the place. It's all going into a hole. But if you're going to the bathroom while standing up, sometimes what ends up happening is you go to the bathroom (coughs) outside by a wall, things go flying all over the place. Who knows where they're going to end up getting onto. And you might end up needing to clean yourself off with your hand from whatever urine landed on your feet. So now the problem is, if you have tefillin in your hand, you're not going to be able to do that. So the still said, if you're going to a temporary bathroom or a standing-up bathroom, then you cannot carry your tefillin in your hand. Or if you're going to a permanent bathroom or sitting-down bathroom, you actually are permitted to carry your tefillin in your hand. So then, once again, the Kavachomer, it would have been a good Kavachomer, but it has a very good pircha. It has a very good answer to the Kavachomer. It's two completely different questions that we're dealing with. It's not a question of which one has a higher level of, Tuma, which one has a higher level of disrespect for villain it's the question of which one's more likely to lead you having to actually get your villain dirty when you're cleaning yourself why would you well, we left that no so that was two different two different ways to explain the brysa oh it's it's the it, it's, the one that the very good no that's a good point so the, the what we did is like this we, we took a brisa and they they kind of quoted the first part of the brysa and then they quoted one line from the end of the brysa but you would have to say that the end of the Brice is not talking about the same thing that the first part of the Brice is talking about. But you're right. In the first part of the Brice, we're talking about carrying filling in. Presumably, we're talking about a man. But the second part of the Brice, we have one line in isolation. I permit you to do something here. I forbid you to do the same thing elsewhere. So we thought initially it's probably talking about the same thing as the first part, and indeed that's what we come out in the end. But in in the interim, we tried to fly with this other idea that perhaps it's not referring to the same thing anymore. But yeah, that's a good point. There were probably some women. But I don't think it was isolated women. I mean, it wasn't. If they're not commanded to do so, right? So probably it was not something that happened often. Um, I, I don't. I doubt that's what we need to talk about. But maybe. Um, okay. So, Shuvah Maliosihi. Then you have a very good answer to this Kalvachemer. This is what we say. When you were trying to figure out what exactly this hello's two positions were. Don't think that you could understand it based on the concept of Kavahomer, because then you're going to completely lose your head because like, this is not a Kavahomer. This is the opposite of a Kavahomer. You have to understand it based on logic and the logic then will dictate that in one place, it's more likely the filling will end up getting dirty. Therefore, you can't bring the filling in, in your hand. In the other place, it's less likely it's going to end up getting dirty and you can bring it in your hand. Pan-Rabba, I went to Newbrys. Someone is about to go eat a nice big meal and he wants to go to the bathroom before he eats because he doesn't want to have to go to the bathroom in the middle of the meal. So what should you do? You should walk 10 times, four amas, go back and forth, pace back and forth, 10 times a 4 amas distance. Or you should walk back and forth four times a 10 amas distance. And then you should go to the bathroom, right? Because going, to the, going on a walk will help get your digestive juices running. I'm, I'm saying that, what was that? Medical advice. Yeah, I mean, that's what gemara. does all the time, yeah. We're not going to ask the doctor what he thinks about this medical advice, but I think this that, that is somewhat confirmed, though, right? <laughs> the doctor said 100% confirmed. Then afterwards, he should go into the meal. If someone's about to go eat a, permanent, a nice big meal, He should think of his villain. And afterwards, he goes into the meal. But he argues on her pia's opinion. Why? Rechia says, you're about to go eat a big meal. You know what? Take your tefillin off and put them on the table right next to you. What's this dispute based on? Questions like this. You're going to go into a meal. There's going to be people having a good time, lots of wine flowing. Might not be the most appropriate place to have the tefillin on the table. But Rukhia says, no, keep the tefillin in the room. It's okay. So what is, why does he want us to do that? Rechain um, And this itself is a beautification for the tefillin. In other words, the concern was this would be disrespectful for the tefillin to be in this environment where people are having you know, uh, a frivolous environment. But he says, no, this is an actual, it's a nice thing for the tillin, that the instant the meal is over, you're going to put them right back on. So that itself is a nice thing. Bad amas. And up until when? When should you leave the tillin off when you're eating the meal? Amr of Nachbar Yitzchak says, <speaking in Hebrew> up until the time that you're about to the bench. When you're about to the bench, you put the tillin back on. <speaking in Hebrew> we learned in one by So tfilav im the tefillah of Amr a person should, I mean, not should, but is permitted to tie up or to bundle up their tefillin together with money in some sort of bag. another vice says, so you should not tie up your tefillin with your money in another bag. It's not a question. How The case that we're talking about where you're putting the tefillin together in one bag, one case is where you, had never designated that bag for tefillin in the previous, previously. So therefore you can put them together in the same bag. Other cases where you had already designated it to be a tefillin bag, then it's inappropriate to put other things that are on a lower level of Kedushah into that actual bag. Right? So that, that's why <coughs> Excuse me. we have the halacha today. You're not supposed to put a sidder in your tilling bag, right? You're supposed to put a sidder in either the outside of the tilling bag, if you have like the plastic covering on top of the tilling bag, that's where you're supposed to put a sidder. Alternatively, you're supposed to put the sidder in the talus bag. But you're not supposed to put a sidder into the actual tilling bag. Because the tilling bag is, is so holy, you should put things on a lower level into the actual tilling bag. So, but if you never really set, up, set aside for a tefillin bag, you happen to have a shopping bag and you have the and you put the tillin in there, you can put other things in there because that's not considered a holy bag yet. So, the Amar Reb Chizda said, "Hi, sudra the tefillin the lemetzar tillin. tefillin, a sudra, a handkerchief of tillin that you've already set aside that is now the handkerchief that always has tillin in it. it tefillin, once you put in the tillin, also lemetzar shiti. And it's forbidden to put anything else into that bag. If you had already set it aside as being a tilling bag, but you never yet bundled your tilling into there, but if you either set it aside but have not yet bundled it, or if you bundled into it but have not yet set aside permanently that this is going to be my tilling bag, then it is permitted to put money into that bag as well. However, Abaya, the famous Mahlekas of Abaya and Ravah, throughout Chass, there's something called hasmana Milsa that once someone has designated a specific item to have a specific purpose, does that then change the, the, the Does that change the purpose of that item now on a permanent basis? Is that sufficient, or do so you have to actually do an action to concretize that designation? So Abaya says that the hasmana, the designation itself, is sufficient. So according to Abaya, if you set it aside, even if you even if you never bundled anything into it. Or, sorry, you even bundled into it, the azmane lay So according to buy there's only one criteria that we looked at. Have you designated this bag as a till bag? If you have, then you're over. You cannot put anything else into it. If you've not, yet designated it, it doesn't make a difference What how many times you put till into it. If you haven't designated it as such permanently, you're still permitted to put money into that bag as well. I don't think so. I, I don't think so, but... It's possible. So to look <laughs> well, let's say someone wants to put till underneath their head. Right? They're going to sleep at night. They want to put their till underneath their head. <laughs> Nobody's asking. You can't put your till as a footrest. Everybody understands you can't put till as a footrest. Because <laughs> that would be disrespectful to till be it would be completely humiliation to be a footrest. So the question is to leave it underneath your head. Is that also disrespectful or not? And clearly what we're talking about here is leave them under your head. We're talking about a situation where that's going to be the best way to guard the pillin, right? Now, this is not like for fun. they are not asking, I don't have a pillow. Can I use the pillow? That's not the situation. we are saying, I can't think of any other way to keep it properly. Is this an okay way to do it or not? Yeah, we're assuming it's inside a case. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see in a second. Otherwise, it's going to be problematic with the next part of the remark. My, what's the halacha? This is what Shmuel says. Shmuel says it's permitted to do so, put it underneath your head, even if you're going to be sleeping in the same bed as your wife, in which case you might end up having marital relations, right? So that's not disrespectful to the Tullin to have them in the same room. Now, mind you, that doesn't mean it has to be in a, in, in, a, in a case that is not, that's a regular case. So like today, we know the is we do not keep our talis and really only Tullin, we don't keep the Tullin in the same room as you, so what you would do is you put it into either a third case or you put it into a closet or something like that. But to keep it underneath your head, you have to have been in a third case in this type of situation. Um, uh, okay. May I ask a question? A person should not put his tevilin underneath his feet. Because it is something, it is <Spanish> a humiliating thing for the tevilin. So he can't put it underneath his head. But if his wife is with him, also, and it's forbidden to do so. You have a place near your head that is either three tvachim higher than your head or three lower than your head, mutter, then it is permitted to put it by even when your wife is there. you have this? Take opinion and throws it out the window. Right? So according to Shmuel, you're permitted to put it underneath your head. Answers you can't put it underneath your head, but you can put it right next to your head, as long as it's three tvachim away. Either higher or lower than you, but it's right next to your head, right? So it's somewhat disrespectful as long as it's three t'vacham away. We know the three t'vacham is already is, creates some significant distance in halacha, therefore that's permitted. Um, um, Rav says, even though he said that he's been refuted, he'll say that halacha is like we're gonna get to the, exactly what the proof is for this statement tomorrow night.